What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, got to tell you about Strava Craft Coffee. Our friends over at Strava Craft Coffee have not only delicious coffee, but they have CBD-infused coffee, and CBD helps relieve aches, pains, headaches, migraines, anything that's going on. The CBD helps relieve that, including the coffee jitters that you may get from coffee. So it's a great one-two punch there, and we also have a great one-two punch for you. If you subscribe you'll save 20% on every single Strava Craft coffee order that you have. And you can have that delivered every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks at that 20% off uh, price. And if you want to try Strava Craft coffee before subscribing, you can use that magical code DNVR20 to receive 20% off your Strava Craft coffee purchase the first time. So make sure to check out Strava Craft coffee. Use that magical code DNVR20, then subscribe to save 20% on every single purchase. All right, Mace, let's hop into the show. Number one for the one and only DNVR. Two goes out to Zach, Mace, RK, and the bar. Three for Mr. B in that old trophy case. Number four, we're still waiting for. Welcome, welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast on this wonderful Wednesday. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my main man, Andrew Mason. But before we hop into the show, got to tell you about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online. Guys, spring semester is just around the corner. I know it's January, but we're only two weeks away from the spring semester starting at MSU Denver Online, and it's not too late to get in on the action at MSU Denver Online. And right now, the best way to protect you from economic downturn is an education that will allow you to adapt into varying careers. And we all need that right now. And you can go build your toolbox over at MSU Denver. So make sure to check them out, msudenver.edu slash online, where they have hundreds of classes and so many hybrid programs that you can explore. So make sure to check them out, msudenver.edu slash online. My boy, Mace, what's going on, my friend? Hey, not much. How are you doing? I am, because I, I myself, I'm still about another day or so from getting to a schedule where I'm sleeping more, but man, I'm I'm starting to feel great. I feel like I'm starting to come from, come out from under the, uh, uh, the damage of the season, the rubble of the season. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Feeling that way as well. Although it doesn't quite feel like the off season yet, Mace, because the Broncos, of course, making a huge move. And when I was thinking about this last night, Mace, this is straight up outside of ownership, the biggest move the Broncos could be making. Now, I know they're doing it uh, in, in kind of a suppressed way because John always staying on board. But in reality, general manager is the one with all of the power outside of ownership and everything like that, because he can decide the coach. He can decide the coaching staff. He can decide the quarterback. He can decide everything. So this is a huge time for the Broncos. Yeah. And think about this when you have four consecutive 
losing seasons. And when you have a year that, yeah, there are injuries. Yeah, there were a lot of extrinsic factors, but you had other teams dealing with them as well. There's going to be a scapegoat, right? Or scapegoats. And we were thinking over the weeks leading up to the end of the season that Tom McMahon would be a scapegoat, even though I'll make the argument that given the list of problems you had on this team, probably it was a scapegoat for scapegoating sake rather than someone who was really responsible. Well, now with John Elway moving on and Joe Ellis not making it explicitly clear, he'll probably take that to, you know, to, to his grave many years down the line, but reading between the lines, knowing that if John Elway did not take this deal and walk away, that something uncomfortable would have been, had to happen with him. So I think that's kind of where you're starting uh, the scapegoat for falling back to five and 11 after three years of, you know, some of you bottomed out and then you incrementally rose five and 11 to six and 10, six and 10 to seven and nine. And then you didn't take the next steps. So we've got kind of a, a, a scapegoat for the fact that the progress halted and uh, that it was four straight losing seasons. And frankly, whoever this next GM is, we might find out who the other scapegoat or scapegoats are. And uh, that's, that's why I think it's a very nervous time for Drew Locke, because if the GM isn't on board with Drew Locke as the quarterback, he's next. Yeah, exactly. And that's where you're probably going to see the biggest change, Mace, is, is with, with the player personnel side mm. uh, with this new GM. Yesterday, Vic, to the surprise of many, said his entire coaching staff is coming back. Is that That's at least what he anticipates, meaning Tom McMahon is safe. We already knew Pat Shermer and Ed Donatel were coming back, but Tom McMahon appears safe as of now. I'm going to just wait a few weeks, Mace, because we saw this last year with Rich Scangarello, where two weeks after the season is when Vic decided to make a move. But as of now, the entire coaching staff is coming back. So you're exactly right. Drew Locke is probably the biggest person to be concerned right now. Yeah, because uh, there are certain things that uh, kind of prevent everyone else from uh, being kind of on, on the firing line. I mean, uh, you, you're not your offensive line is, is uh is young and showed imp- and showed improvement over the course of, of over the course of the year, and Drew Locke did as well. But with Drew Locke, there are some things that when you step back and look at the body of work of the season and see that in most metrics he's right down there in the bottom five, bottom three of eligible quarterbacks. And now you have a whoever the GM is going to be, it's going to be a fresh set of eyes. Now, whoever the GM is, Zach, and we're going to get into some of these candidates here in just a little bit. Whoever the GM is, it's not going to just going to be that person. It's going to be who they choose to bring in because Elway has told people in the in the football side of the organization that uh, hey, you know, I'll I'll vouch for you, but you're staying with this team. It's going to be the call of the new GM. So the question is, if that GM has their own people in mind. When do we see those changes? It's possible that we could be kind of just the GM kind of standing alone on an island a little bit. And then after the draft, we see some more changes uh, to the personnel department. This is something that's going to play itself out over the next few months. But how much will that new GM impact the Broncos thinking in terms of draft needs, et cetera? I'd say it's going to be pretty massive uh, how they look at the next couple of years. 
And the fact, and as I've alluded to, the fact that the GM is going to be on a four or five year contract, whereas John Elway was on the last year of his contract, that changes the outlook too, changes it completely because you're not in the, okay, we've got to make this fix for one year and figure it out. Or, you know, you're, you're not saying, well, let's not think about 2022 and beyond. Let's think of this year here. The new GM is going to be thinking two, three, four years ahead. And in the quarterback discussion, you know they're thinking of what the 22 class looks like, what this team's outlook is for 21, where it might be drafting in 22, even if uh, Drew Locke doesn't hit the next stage. And then uh, you're sitting at nine in a draft where it goes to QB four in the top 10 and probably QB five before the 20th pick this year. So all that is coming into play and creating a very uh, potentially tasty stew, but uh, one that uh, we don't really know what it's going to look like that has a lot of possibilities and a a lot of aromas and, and flavors to it. I hope I hope there's some serious spice in it. I hope we get a spicy stew as well, Mace. Uh, and th- th- there's two really interesting things in this, Mace. Is, is the first one is you're absolutely right. The GM's going to have a lot of control, and on top of that, he's going to be able to bring in his own right hand man because Matt Russell is stepping away. So not only are you getting a new GM, but he's going to be able to pick his number two man, which I think is right. Uh, but there's also a chance if John Elway stepped down and Matt Russell didn't want to interview for the GM job that they were going to keep Matt Russell in that position. So that that's huge right there. That that's huge control for the GM. And the other thing Mace is it's always interesting. When do you hire a new GM? Do you do it after the draft? Do you do it after the season? Obviously with the head coach, it's very, very easy. You do it right after the season because there, there's just one, one thing there. And that's the season with the draft. Well, do you do it right after the draft? And then you let the GM that was in control of the draft, you fire him, even though you didn't like what he did. Do you do mm-hmm. it after the season? And then he only has a few months to prepare for the draft. Uh, and so the Broncos doing it this way, uh, although John Elway hasn't been fired, but they're bringing in a new GM. He's only going to have a few months to prepare for this draft, which may make him say, unless he falls in love with someone, this new GM may end up saying, okay, uh, I-, I just need to kind of take a step back for this year. We're going to roll everything a- as normal, just like the Panthers did a couple of years ago when they brought in David Tepper. Uh, and I know he's an owner, not a GM, but just kind of see how things go and then really take over after the first year. So I could see the Broncos making a move for a quarterback, or I could see the GM just saying, okay, I need to get my bearings under me, see what's going on here. And then I'm going to make my changes in one year. Yeah. And, but at the same time, what's interesting is like you have all these people with personnel with that, with personnel experience, that are lining up to interview for the job. And so presumably they know to some degree what this, what this draft landscape is going to look like both this year and next year. And so uh, yeah. And the other thing that comes into play is by making the move with John Elway. Now, were you in some ways saying that I'm not sure I want him making another QB decision? Hmm. Yeah, I, I think you can't ignore that. Yeah, and thus you're sort of you're accelerating the process a little bit and saying, okay, well, this is going to be somebody else's call. And certainly the other thing that you do, if you do it wisely, is 
your your scouts have been gathering intel on everybody, including these QBs, even though it wasn't uh, it it did not appear to be a need going into the 2020 season. So you're not starting if unless you do the Josh McDaniels thing, which I highly doubt. I don't think they will hire anybody who will do what McDaniels did uh, when he was the coach, of course. But he was uh, kind of nominally a, a supervising football operations. He wiped out Jim Goodman, Jeff Goodman, a little over a month after he took the job, and then basically took all the work that had been put in on prospects heading into the night into to the 2009 draft and chucked it. And I think that, and to this day, it's easy to see that was a big part of why the 09 draft was such a failure. 2010 draft was very good for this team. The 09 draft, when they basically took all the work uh, all, that had been put in and kind of junked it and started over again in February, that was the uh, uh, that was the draft where they basically blew the entire second round, three second round picks, and all of them were busts. Uh, no, Sean Moreno took him a while to get going, and he eventually did in the first round. Uh, Robert Ayers, uh, a steady player, but certainly uh, not really what they hoped for from a first round uh, potential edge rusher player. So. I think if you have a candidate that comes in and says, I really want to kind of do a hard pivot on how we're kind of gathering things right away, that's probably not the right person for the job. Right, exactly, Mason. And that that's another reason to keep John Owe around in this role because he can help transition. And I wouldn't be surprised, and it may be the smart move, to not have John fully transition into this instead of a day-by-day job, a week-to-week job, until maybe after the draft. Have him be pretty hands-on. But ultimately, when, when draft comes around, the GM gets to make the pick. But it would be smart to have that dynamic at first with, with John still staying around through the draft because Mace we're what nine months into the draft process right now with only three months left to go a little over three months left to go that's not much time for a new GM to come in and and get a full grasp on everything but like you said a lot of these guys or all of these guys have already been diving into the draft Uh, and let's talk about these candidates Mace because we have five known candidates for the job right now Champ Kelly of course we've talked about him he's the Bears assistant director of player personnel has some experience with the Broncos in his past. Dave Ziegler, the Patriots assistant director of player personnel, George Patton, Vikings assistant GM and VP of player personnel, Terry Fontenot, the Saints scouting director, and Brian Stark, who is of course the Broncos college scouting director. Mace, what, 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 what do you think of this list of five that we've seen so far? Well, I mean, Brian Stark obviously offers the, uh, the chance for the most continuity being within the organization. Um, You wonder if he would have gotten an interview if Matt Russell had not chosen uh, to retire. My guess is I, I doubt that they would have interviewed him if Russell had said, Hey, I I'd like the job. So because, because that would have looked, that would have looked a little weird, potentially having two people and with, and Stark being under Russell and then, okay, what if you're moving Stark up to the, to the GM uh, and you're basically having him skip a level and go past Russell. That's so that's the thing that uh, it's a little, it's a little awkward there, but it's, it's sometimes you'll have some interviews that are about kind of being good for the candidate and, and propping him up a little bit. Now, Brian Stark, I, I, Hey, if he wows him, if he shows that he has a plan, I think he has a shot, but uh, his, his window open, because I, I believe 
because Matt Russell retired. So we'll, we'll see what he does with that. What he, that he's college scouting. Now, you know, everyone, even if you're in pro personnel, you're nominally familiar with sort of how the landscape is starting to look, but, uh, with, uh, you know, Terry Fontenot, for example, who's been with the Saints for 16 years. Uh, he's the he's in charge of pro personnel, so he's kind of the free agent guy. So, for example, Emmanuel Sanders being a Saint, that falls under the auspices of Terry Fontenot. <laughs> uh, he also uh, he has a background in pro scouting as well, which means you're kind of watching everybody, everybody in the league, seeing who's going to be available, uh, plugging holes, et cetera. Uh, you're interested. I think some of these guys, you're doing some fact finding as well. And some of these guys you're researching uh, their organization. Uh, um, so like, for example, uh, Terry Fontenot, if his interview is just okay, as I say, hi to Zach's uh, cat <laughs> joining him on his desktop right now. Sorry. It's audio only. So you can't see, you can't see the cat. What's the cat's name, Zach? That's Chaco. And he, Chaco. he loves being around the computer when uh, when anything's going on. Oh, oh Chaco's adorable. <laughs> so you're so some of these candidates, you may be looking at not only the candidate themselves, oneself, but also looking at kind of picking their brain about their organization. And you know, you go back to the coach interviews a couple of years back, uh, Vic Fangio. He, he was one of those guys they were thinking really had a shot, but maybe not every interview was about thinking this person could be ready for, could be ready for the job right now. Sometimes it's about saying, all right, they're in this organization. What can we learn from? What can we learn from them? And so, mm -hmm. and so that, point. that goes into this interview process as well. And they are casting a wide net, but uh, yeah, Fontenot's a pro personnel guy. Uh, Champ Kelly is a pro personnel guy as well, although he was a college scout with the Broncos uh, back in back in 07. So you, you want to get a sense for what they see at the college ranks as well. Uh, you also want to get a sense for their leadership and uh, also their ability, uh, the, their ability to mesh with Vic Fangio. Now that should not be the, the primary consideration, but you, the best scenarios are the ones where the coach and the GM can work in tandem and mesh and and are looking for the same things and i think that's why for so many of us observing this and trying to read the tea leaves champ kelly still looks like the leader and another reason i think why he could be the leader is of because of what joe ellis said on tuesday about diversity yeah and, and i think it was key that mike cliss asked the question because we all know that sometimes when Cliss asks the question, it's actually because they something is desired to get out into the public sphere. And I think uh, Joe Ellis, with his response and the depth that it really wanted to get out there, that diversity was a key factor. And so in Terry Font in um, Terry Fontenot and in Champ Kelly, two of the five named candidates already are minority candidates. Yeah, and, and what, what Joe Ellis said exactly was diversity is very important. He said 75% of our players are black and we need more diversity. And so he said, quote, we're going to interview several black candidates. And so, uh, you know, 40% of the candidates that they already have uh, are black, of course, Champ Kelly and Terry Fontenot. And Mace, you called it yesterday. The leader in the clubhouse to me now has switched because who I thought was the leader yesterday, Mace Adam Peters hasn't even been uh, officially brought in to, to this process. Does that surprise you? Because it, it, we, we talked about this right before the pod. It seems like every single person 
not in the Broncos organization has said Adam Peters with the Broncos because it just makes so much sense. But the Broncos haven't said that yet. Right. I think some of it is kind of just uh, letting the process develop. I think we're going to hear some more names here in the next 48 hours. And uh, one thing that is interesting, I don't think the Broncos are really in a rush because I doubt this new GM is going to bring in a bunch of people immediately. I think that process would be after the draft for the most part. And you do still have John Elway kind of atop everything. And you still have Matt Russell kind of uh, ending his time with the team, but still aiding in a a, a transition phase. So it's not like you're sitting here and saying, we've got to have a guy before we go down to even mobile for the senior bowl in just in a little under three weeks. That's a good point. They can take their time on, on this and get this thing right. So coach, if it were a coach, you're like, yeah, we got to get that guy in and, and, and he's got to start putting his staff together. It's not that the same way for the GM, they can be patient. And so like with Adam Peters uh, this week, he's interviewing with the Carolina Panthers and, that maybe you just kind of let that play out. I've one of the things I've, I've, I've heard is that he is a serious candidate in Carolina. This is not a, a token throwaway interview. Um, But that's a situation where you have a coach in Matt rule who has more power internally than Vic Fangio does at this point. And so, yeah, in the Broncos situation, you have Patrick Mahomes atop the division in the Chiefs and Justin Herbert with the Chargers, and you have the ownership questions, which are which are issues. In Carolina, you have an owner who's got, you know, basically a bottomless fountain of, of resources and money in David Tepper. You have a division where the top quarterbacks are they're getting old. I mean, you've got, you know. Tom Brady is 43 years old. Uh, Drew Brees is on the other side of 40, and uh, this could be his his last rodeo in the parlance of uh, Peyton Manning. Uh, Matt Ryan is going into year 14 in Atlanta, and uh, who knows if they don't go in another direction, if they don't decide to go young here. So that appears to Carolina appears to be a more attractive job on the surface, but you may have the potential for more power in Denver, because in Carolina, it's probably going to be Matt Rule who is the period that ends the sentences there. In Denver, it's going to be the GM. That's a really good point. And Mace, yesterday, uh, both, well, two days ago, John was asked about this. And yesterday, uh, Joe Ellis was asked about this because the question is, how attractive is this job? And specifically when it comes to the ownership, Mace. And I thought Joe Ellis made a very strong statement. He said this team has all of the resources that it needs when it comes to the football football field. And John Elway made that clear as well. And he said no matter who the owner is, they're going to want to put that same investment in. So really trying to make it not seem like the ownership is a big deal. Yeah. Now, I think owner it's that current ownership isn't a big deal. That as long as either Joe Ellis representing the trust or Brittany Bolin, if she gets the chance to be elevated to the managing partner of the Bolin heirs, that as long as that happens, you're going to have what you need. And, uh, you know, Joe kind of alluded to that in terms of the finances 
over the court when he uh, when I asked him about that, that uh, said, hey, they they got through this year. OK, they were able to kind of massage things. They haven't had to lay off any employees or make anybody take any furloughs, something that we've heard uh, a lot of from around pro sports over the last several months. But he did also say that if they have another year in 2021, like in 2020, it was going to be tough. But he thought they could they, he thought they could get through it. But at that point, if, if, if 21 is like 20, it's going to be tough for almost everyone in pro sports, not just the, not just the Denver Broncos. So basically what he's saying is as long as we are in charge, you don't have to be concerned. The question then becomes if the team is sold and you have an owner who says, I want it this way right away. And that's, and that is one area where the 2021 season may have a huge impact on that because if the team improves and goes nine and seven or 10 and six, it's easy to say, all right, I'm going to kind of sit back and watch the people in charge of football here, the GM to be the head coach, assuming it's still Vic Fangio. I'm going to watch them uh, do their thing. Kind of like what we saw from Tepper in Carolina. He buys the team. They're coming off of a playoff season and a run of four postseasons in five years. So it was very easy for Tepper to come in and say, when it comes to football, I'm going to watch for a little bit. And then after nearly his second full season on the job. That's when Ron Rivera was out the door after season three. That's when Marty Herney, their GM was out the door. So it could operate that way, but it also could be a situation where like in, uh, in Buffalo, for example, when the, when the Pagulas bought the team, they did keep Doug Whaley, the GM, but pretty quickly things went sideways between the Pagulas and Doug Marone. And remember, Marone was coming off that 9-7 and seven season. That was the best that Buffalo had had in, I believe, a decade at that point. And so things go sideways. Marone wants another a couple of years tacked on his deal. The Pagulas say, no, we, we don't really like that. And so just go on your merry way. So they, you know, a change, they, they had a change that they instituted right then and there. And of course, uh, then every, people know about the example of, Jerry Jones buying the Dallas Cowboys back in 1989 and immediately he's got his guy Jimmy Johnson coming in and within within about three months the three guys who ran that organization and are all in the Hall of Fame Tom Landry Tex Schramm Gil Brandt they were all out the door so if you if the team goes six and ten then that 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 new that new owner, if there is one, may say, uh, I've got to bring in my own people. Uh, shoot, Edgar Kaiser actually uh, brought in his, his own people. Pat Bowen actually ha- had a change in GMs right away. But the guy who was the GM when he bought the team, Hein Paulus, he was a business type of guy. And he was Edgar Kaiser's right hand in terms of business. And so that was something where er- Paulus resigned everything kind of settled uh that way pretty pretty smoothly but the interesting thing was pat bowen for the gm he didn't have his own guy he he moved john beak who'd been working with the broncos up a notch to be the gm and work with dan reeves there so uh, that that may, you know so there are a lot of things in play edgar kaiser actually one of his first moves was firing both fred gerke and Red Miller, the GM and the head coach at the time. But there were also so, some uh, kind of internal issues that had developed, but but Kaiser had his own guys ready. I mean, I, it was lickety split that uh, he had Dan Reeves and Grady Alderman to come in as coaching GM. So yeah, a new owner brings about 
a, a myriad range of possibilities. So could be good, could be bad, but everyone does get nervous. Cause like in Tepper and Carolina, he didn't change the football operations right away, but business operations, he thought it was a wreck and he wasted no time making changes on the business side of the organization. Yeah. And, and, and that, that's a great point. That's why a GM may still say, okay, Joe, I know I'm going to have the money now to do what I want, but if this team is sold and potentially a year is what Joe Ellis said, it could be. Uh, Now, some people may say, oh, we have to wait a year for it. Or some people may say, oh, only a year and a G for, for a GM one year is absolutely no time. So that is something that, that they'll have to consider. And Mace, you brought up an interesting point before we started this, and maybe this has something to do with it as well is the Broncos aren't interviewing, at least so far, anyone with GM experience. This would be a jump for all five guys. And so maybe they're trying to be on the forefront. Maybe they're trying to get, uh, you know, the next best thing. And then once he's the GM, he's not going anywhere if the Broncos want him. Uh, No team is stealing him. And then also the fact that, Maybe they they don't think that they can land the the top GM out there that has experience, so they want to go for for an up and comer. Yeah, maybe. Of course, right now we've already had one GM job come off the list with Nick Casario going down to Houston, which is and Deshaun Watson loves it. Uh, <laughs> Interesting. I, I mean, may, maybe we should be talking about the Broncos trading three first round picks for Deshaun Watson. Mace, he, he doesn't seem happy that they've. Uh, replaced uh, Bill O'Brien coming from out of the Patriots sphere with another guy from the Patriots sphere. And Oh, by the way, uh, Jack Easterby, who's, you know, the ex chaplain who is in charge of things. He's another Patriots guy. There there's, there is all sorts of next level weirdness going on with the Houston (laughs) Texans right now. And uh, uh, just, just Google Jack Easterby Texans. There, there's a couple of, there are a couple of really, good stories but also this thing that situation is incredibly odd and i can't blame deshaun watson for looking askance at everything although i think he's got to kind of take care of his own uh, his own backyard as as well uh, before he starts worrying about uh, what's going on in, in other people's yards but uh, <laughs> yeah so that that job's that job's off the table um so but we've got more candidates than the, you know, than there are positions. Atlanta um, uh, is, looks like they're zeroing in on Rick Smith, the former Broncos executive under Mike Shanahan, who was the Texans GM for a long time back when they were a functional organization. I really say that. <laughs> I'm just taking, I'm sorry. I am taking all sorts of shots, sorts of shots at the Texans in the last, 60 seconds here i really shouldn't but um no you, you can keep going yeah. Mace. no one's holding yeah. me back here but uh yeah rick rick smith looks like uh looks like the guy uh looks like that looks like the, like the guy in atlanta and let's unless something changes so that's one job uh off the table so you know what if if you really want to be interested in someone like dimitrov who uh who basically he had he he was two for two on head coach hires think about that i mean they didn't they didn't win at all yes he hired Mike Smith and Smith had some very good years, had them, uh, had them winning division titles. They, they failed in the playoffs, but certainly it was better than the Falcons have been in quite a while. And then he brings in Dan Quinn and Dan Quinn gets him the Super Bowl in year two. Although certainly to Dan Quinn's credit, he brought in the right OC in Kyle Shanahan. So uh, 
I would think uh, I still I think if you if you did take a look at a guy who'd done it before, that Dimitrov would be one guy that they and also so he's someone that uh, Matt Russell knows from back in their Patriots days in the 2000s. But uh, yeah, it is interesting that they're looking at the guys who haven't been GMs yet, that they're looking at the at the people who are on their way, who, who are on their way up. And uh, you have the luxury of doing that because. John Elway, even if he's not around day to day, is still kind of around a little bit to to, to bounce uh, things off of. So maybe the experience factor isn't important to the Broncos because John Elway, at least for the first year, is still going to be is still going to uh, have an office and be in and out and be available as the team president uh, for counsel and advice. And so maybe that's and also maybe the, you bring in somebody who hasn't been a GM, you think all right, we can mold this guy a little bit. I love this, Mace. I, I I love it. And the transition of John Elway could be great for the team if they're open to this and getting the next young mind in here because they, they're not worried about inexperience. So I think this could this could work perfectly for the Broncos. And, and as Joe Ellis said many times yesterday, John Elway made the right decision for himself and for the Denver Broncos. And maybe this is a reason why it's the right decision for the Denver Broncos is because he kind of gets to, to, to groom a younger guy a little bit. Obviously we know the GM is going to have full control, but man, if that, if this works out, it is going to be a fantastic move. And I got to give credit to Joe Ellis because Mace, he said enough is enough in these past four years, five years, were not acceptable. Like you said, we're probably never going to find out if, if Joe actually was the one to make the decision for John or if John came to this. Uh, they said they had some some mutual conversations uh, and that, you know, John came to this decision. But I got to say, I didn't think Joe was ever going to kick John out the door. And while he didn't do that here, um, he... I think he helped a lot. I think think he helped John come to this decision a lot. So, you know, for, for got to give credit to Joe because this is something Pat Boland would not accept. And, uh, and he, he did that. Yeah. I mean, I think Pat probably would have made the movie a year earlier. Yeah. But what is clear right now is that the Broncos do have an owner or someone operating as an owner and that's Joe Ellis. Mm-hmm. And, it's not, a, and I, I saw, I think, on Pro Football Talk speculating that, oh, you're going to have another situation where if John Elway leaves, uh, the GM is reporting to nobody. No, 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 no. If, if the trust ownership persists into 2022 and beyond and Elway's contract expires and he's not still uh, with the team in some capacity, even if it's ceremonial, then Joe Ellis is the person to whom the GM is going to report. Joe Ellis, you have to think of him as the owner yeah. because that move to kind of to guide John Elway to a soft landing, right? That's a, that's an owner move right there. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. And Mace, I have a question for you. What What's harder uh, for Joe Ellis to guide John Elway to a soft landing? I love how you said that. Or to fire uh, Dave Ziegler or Champ Champ Kelly? In my opinion, it is so much easier for him to fire one of these next guys that than guide John Elway to a soft landing. Oh my gosh, no question. There's <laughs> there's absolutely. Uh, no issue. I mean, a, a GM doesn't work out uh, who doesn't have a past, a, a deep connection to the organization like Elway. You just move on and uh, there's 
you're not ba- you're not creating a situation where uh, there's there's bitterness. I mean, the bottom line is that if you fight if you fire somebody who's been a part of the organization for so long in such a prominent role and it was a part of reaching the mountaintop that if that person is told to go before they're ready to go, you have bitterness setting in. You have, you have like I mentioned the Tom Landry example earlier, Landry kind of stayed away from the Cowboys uh, for a few years, laid low, uh, didn't, uh, didn't go to any games uh, didn't do, you know, I wouldn't say it was persona non grata, but, you had to let the the wounds heal before he was ready to go back to Texas Stadium and be honored. So uh, it would have been it, it would have been tough to think of the Broncos and uh, and think of John Elway consciously staying away from the game from the home games on Sundays, not to, not being there in some capacity, kind of existing in this ether uh, of of bitterness and uh, and sadness over losing the job. Yeah. Now doesn't happen. I mean, we it would have been traumatic for a lot of Broncos fans to see that. And now we're spared that. And yep. that's uh, everything is smooth. You know, it, it, I, I think what this is going to kind of end up transitioning to is after after this year, I think it ends up evolving into John Elway as kind of a, a consultant who. Uh, gets a gets gets a little paycheck gets it gets a paycheck nothing like he's getting right now but gets a paycheck just to kind of be on call and uh and, and offer counsel and then you know kind of maybe not be an ambassador but just you know kind of be in the good graces and uh you know he can show up at practice whenever he wants he can you know be or you know go to a game he gets on his team. office still yeah i i, I you know kind of the, the bud give him the bud grant treatment in minnesota or even um even the treatment that uh, kind of, that uh, Don Shula had uh, in Miami, where okay, yeah, you don't you're not the boss anymore, but uh, you can you can sit down and and work and offer counsel and you can watch practice and do kind of whatever the heck you want. You are you, you're just here because you did so much for us, and we're saying thank you. And I think that would be true regardless of who the owner is. Yeah. I think so as well. If, if the owner doesn't want to come in and do a Josh McDaniels and uh, make the fan base turn on him right away. And well, that new, if there's a new owner, I would advise that new owner to talk to people about the McDaniels era and then talk about one of the really good things that John Elway did when he came in, which was to throw the doors back open to alumni, just coming in and watching practice. I mean, uh, in normal times, pre COVID Rod Smith, is right there around the bench every game. <laughs> yeah. Why not? He's Rod Smith. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, so, you know, actually, for one of the things that I think we lost this year that would have helped would have been was Rod Smith being kind of in the orbit, showing up whenever he wanted to talk to the receivers. I think Jerry Judy could use the, the in-person counsel of someone like Rod. Absolutely. I think that would help him out. And maybe as we get out of this and get into a no- more normal situation, that's something that the Broncos receivers and Jerry can have. But I mean, you had Carl Mecklenburg coming in and working a training camp. I mean, you have, you know, Brian Dawkins when he lived in town would kind of show up whenever he wanted this. This is cool. This is what you need. You don't <laughs> want to lose this. 
No, that's fun. Don't turn the Broncos into the NFL, the no fun league. And these guys are just always such a positive uh, people to have around. So I totally, totally agree with you, Mace. I'm down with this. Yeah, just don't. You can you can put your own stamp on things, but don't forget the past. Don't act like it never existed. Don't be like Tom Benson was. When ben, Benson brought bought the Saints in, I believe, 1985 from John Meekum. And for a long time in the Saints media guide, the annual stats only covered the years where Benson was the owner. It was like the pre-Benson years didn't happen. I remember thumbing through the media guide like and thinking, this is really, really weird. How they just deny that everything that before the new owner came around happened. So, <laughs> that is interesting. Yeah. I mean, now, of course, my fear is that the new owner may say, I don't like the current uniform, but I don't like the D or, or any even a modified D with a horse. I'm going to come up with something weird on my own. I, I would hate that. I, <laughs> I would hope that the new owner would look and say, all right, let's have let's have something that that has plenty of nods to our past and moves us ahead to the present that, that comes in and wants to honor the past. Kind of like Pat Bowen. Remember, one of the first things Pat Bowen did when he bought the team, I, th- I believe it was four months later, was he created the Ring of Fame. Very smart. Very smart. And get to honor the history. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that that's really smart. All right, Mace, as we wrap this discussion up, one final question for you. Are you sticking with Champ Kelly as your favorite right now? I am. And part of it is you are looking for harmony between the coach and the GM. I know it probably shouldn't be the most important thing, but I think it's something that it, that is kind of weighing into this decision. People know what kind of person champ Kelly is. He's somebody that gets along well with anyone in the organization. One of the best people that uh, I've, that I've ever seen around that building over the years He's the right kind of personality, the right kind of person, has the right experience. And then, of course, uh, what Joella said about diversity. I think they could change and they could be wowed in the interviews like Vic Fangio wowed them in the interview a couple of years ago. But I think right now, Champ Kelly, this is his job to lose. And I agree, Mace. I'm I'm jumping on board with you uh, because it just seems like everything adds up to him. It's a guy Joe Ellis can get behind. It's a guy John Elway can get behind, and it's a guy John or Vic Fangio can get behind. You don't need any more than that because there's only four people in the interview, and the fourth is Patrick Smythe. And as Joe Ellis said, you know he, he's the note taker of that group right there. So to me, it seems obvious right now. And May speaking of obvious. I want your DraftKings Sportsbook pick of the week. Tell me how I can make some obvious money. Well, if you want to make obvious money, maybe you shouldn't uh, listen to my pick. Although, (laughs) I've got confidence in you. I I picked A&M over Carolina last week, and that ended up uh, coming in. Although, I was a little nervous that Carolina was going to get a late late backdoor cover there in in the Orange Bowl, but it didn't happen. The only thing covered was Jimbo Fisher. Uh, they were trying to cover him in Gatorade, and uh, then he was covered in the embarrassment of <laughs> covered in embarrassment of pulling his hamstring <laughs> in the celebration. Way to go, Jimbo! So I'm going to keep it simple here. I, I would have liked to have given you uh, a pick to say a uh, uh, pick on college basketball, but it uh, looks like the weekend games aren't up on DraftKings just yet. Although you've got plenty of games uh, for Wednesday night, for Wednesday afternoon, and and, uh, and Wednesday night there. I mean, I have to. 
I think uh, that the, there's an interesting, basically a coin flip game between Tulsa and South Florida there that starts at two o'clock mountain time. I'm not going to tell you who to pick, but I, I, I might just lay, I might just lay a little on uh, on USF to, to, to pull that one out of the fire there at home. But my pick of the week, I'm going to go to the playoffs here. Playoffs. Yeah. Everyone says that, right. And I'm going to go down to new Orleans and yeah, this is a big, big number, but I think the saints trample the Chicago bears. Mm, of course it's the biggest line of the weekend, right? Nice. 10 for the saints. And the, People may be looking at it and say, oh, whoa, big line. Although that's that Steelers Browns line could get pretty big here with uh, what's going on in Cleveland with uh, the COVID cases popping around that team. They're going to be without Joel Batonio, going to be without their head coach, Kevin Stefanski. But the Bears last Sunday against the against the Packers. Yeah, no crowd. I know, but. They kind of laid an egg in that game. Where they, they started the game knowing, hey, they've got to, you know, this is something where we, we got to kind of pull off a must win. And the Bears, the, the run they had at the end of the season where they were, where they they took three games in a row, beating Houston, Minnesota, Jacksonville, not exactly a murderer's row. Uh, if you in looking at the Bears and what they did against against playoff against playoff teams uh, down the stretch, they lost the Packers twice by uh, double digits. They lost the Titans by seven. I think the reason why I think the reason why some betters may be tickled by this line to pick the Bears is that when they played back in November, it was a 26-23 Saints win in overtime. But I think right now the Saints have more momentum. They had their December hiccup. They've put it behind them the last two games, uh, scoring 85 points, allowing 40 against the Vikings and Panthers. I think that, I think they're, they're starting to peak here, especially on the offensive side. I think New Orleans wins this one convincingly. So I'm taking the saints. Yeah. I, I love that Mason. I actually looking at all six playoff games this weekend, I like all of them. I feel good about the way I would go with every single one of them, but there's two that I really like. And one that I love Mason, I'm going with your Tampa Bay Buccaneers Saturday night football to go into Washington and beat the football team by eight and a half points or more. So give me Tampa Bay Bucks. Mason, this is the second biggest line of the weekend. You and I are both taking the biggest lines of the weekend. Give me the Bucks to go in there and manhandle the Washington football team. Look, the Washington football team, fantastic story this year. Alex Smith, Ron Rivera, uh, and and just how those guys have battled back and really rallied around each other. Uh, not anyone else in the organization, but how that team, starting with Ron Rivera, ha has battled back, but they're no match for Tom Brady. And like we talked about yesterday, a hot Tom Brady, 43 touchdowns this year at 43 years old, and Chase Young, giving him extra fire this week saying that they're going to come after him. Bruce Arians responding, say better watch what you ask for. Uh, I like Tampa Bay to not only win this game, but to beat them handily and show that they are here to play. Yeah. On paper, the Bucks should, even with uh, questions about Mike Evans playing with that hyperextension in his knee, dodging a bullet, that it wasn't something worse. The weird thing on this Zach is that, when you've had these 
sub 500 teams sneak into the playoffs. There's actually a lot. There's some good fortune there. Seattle won as a seven and nine team in the postseason at home uh, back in 2010. In 2014, Carolina seven, eight, and one clobbered the Cardinals, although it must be said at that point, uh, the Cardinals were forced to turn to Ryan Lindley at quarterback because they had injuries to their top two guys, uh, Carson Palmer leading off the depth chart there at the time. So there, there was an extenuating circumstance involved with that. And if you expand it out to eight and eight teams uh, that are hosting playoff games, the Chargers beat the Colts back in uh, in 2008. And we all know about the Broncos beating the Steelers when the Steelers are 12 and four and the Broncos are 500 and Tim Tebow through Demarius Thomas. So it's weird how teams that are, are 500 or worse hosting games actually have a really good record. It's the one thing that would give you pause in all this, but it just right now, Washington, it just seems like duct tape and bailing wire. There's talk that they may kind of alternate possessions with Taylor Heineke and Alex Smith, because Alex Smith is just kind of barely hanging on at this point. Um, so I think, I think you're right on on this. The one thing that could mess this up, though, is Washington's pass rush. Yeah, and that, which, that's the only thing that scared me. That's the, that's the X factor in this. And if they can get pressure on Tom Brady, go back to what the Broncos did a few years ago, knock him off the spot, get him off rhythm, Washington can pull off the upset here. That's that's the one thing that, as a Bucks enthusiast, makes me really nervous about this game. Yeah, and that, and that's fair. But Mace, don't worry. Bucks are going to take care of them. It's my I pick so. of the week, and I can't wait to talk about all these games tomorrow, Mace. As we head into the weekend, we'll we'll dive into all of them as well. All right, guys. Before we go any further, got to tell you about our friends Mike and Virginia Chevalier over at Chevalier Mortgage. Mike and Virginia are not only diehard Broncos fans and proud CSU alums; they have supported DNVR for a long time as DNVR members. They're a husband-wife team with over 15 years of financial services experiences. Visit them at DNVRMortgage.com and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. And most importantly, get signed up with a free consultation to discuss all of your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. And since your home is likely one of your largest assets and your mortgage, your largest debt, they believe it is vital to consider the full financial picture when purchasing a home. This includes considering your short-term and long-term planning goals, your investments, and your tax situation. Mike of Virginia will work tirelessly to find the best loan for your situation. So visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free free DNVR shirt or hat when you do. And most importantly, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all of your options. You can give Virginia a call directly at 303-257-6778. Give them a, give, check them out, dnvrmortgage.com. That is Chevalier Mortgage. Michael Chevalier, NMLS 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS 1910631. I want to tell you about our friends over at Breckenridge Brewery. Of course, you can get some of that Broncos uh, country hoppy pale ale through, at grocery stores throughout Colorado and, of course, over at Costco. Breckenridge Brewery, as you know, is the official beer of DNVR, and we like to tell you that supporting our partners is, is supporting us during this still crazy time. can't believe we've been talking about nearly 10 months of this crazy time. Breck, though, they need your help to keep the farmhouse kicking. Of course, hey, good news in Colorado for people who like to go to restaurants, uh, back to uh, at least 25% capacity. So the farmhouse is the restaurant over at Breckenridge Brewery's facility down Littleton's right off Santa Fe. 
If you order your meal and beer from the farmhouse house, you can use that magical code DNVR and save $5 off your meal. Please support the workers at the farmhouse if you're able to do so. If you're local, you can pick up food and also you can get some beer over at the farmhouse as part of your order. Call 303-803-1380 from noon to 8 p.m. for pickup. They'll bring your order right out to your car for you. Of course, make sure you use that magical code DNVR and get $5 off that meal. If you just want some brews, no problem. Hey, check out that 15-can sampler. You can get it through Drizzly. You can get it through at a lot of places throughout Colorado. And, of course, if you're outside of Colorado, you want to find some Breck Brews, you might not be able to get that 15-can sampler everywhere. But the odds are very good you're going to be able to find Breckenridge Brews somewhere near you by using that Breck Beer Locator. You can find that on the Breckenridge Brewery website. There has not been a place on the road that I haven't been able to find Breck Brews somewhere nearby in this crazy year. Thanks to that Breck Brew locator. So check that out on the Breckenridge Brewery web- website. Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Mm, sounds delicious. All right, let's hop into the comment section and talk to the people. First one coming in from Casper. Fellas, I can't believe nobody sees what is really going on here. Obviously, Elway giving up the GM position is a move to get Lincoln Riley to come to Denver. He wants to have full say over the roster. Well, he'll have it. Fangio will be the defensive coordinator. We'll trade the ninth pick and lock to Jacksonville to get Trevor Lawrence, and all will be right in Broncos country. You might as well stop the discussions about what might happen since this is 100% going to happen. You're welcome, everyone. Man, I want to be in your world. In your world... (laughs) Is there no pandemic? Are there full houses this weekend like normal? <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah. I mean, this is this is the sunshine, lollipops, rainbows world. I'm I'm down for this. Let's do it. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, if you can if you can trade the ninth overall pick and Drew Locke for Trevor Lawrence, you do that of ten million times out of a million. Oh, wow. That's great. That's awesome. 100%. I love love it. I'm down for that. Greendale human being. Y'all finally got me. Got Got him. I'm excited for my first off season with the boys. I figured it was finally time to subscribe when I was talking to my wife about my day. And I only talked about things y'all had said on the podcast. Well, wow. (laughs) Flattering. This off season should be one of the most exciting in a long time. Just a quick question for today. What could a possible timeline look like for the hiring of a new GM? Well, we kind of spelled it out how it may not be something where it happens right away. And Joel's kind of addressed this saying that there's going to be some virtual interviews, but then with proper social distance, we'd like to have some uh, in-person interviews as well. So it could be where there are actually two rounds of interviews involved, say the first group casting a wide net and then getting it down to the finalists. This, I'd be shocked, Zach, if this thing is resolved in the next seven to 10 days. Wow. So, so I would think that they would like to start Zoom interviews the end of this week, potentially, maybe wrap those up the beginning of next week. And then what are we thinking? Two or three in person interviews, potentially? Yeah. And maybe you're getting those done late next week, and, or maybe it bleeds into the week after. I, I, I would say, I think maybe it'll be a head scratcher if, they don't have a decision in in two weeks' time, but at this at the same time, like I said earlier, you don't have pressure to make a decision right away 
because you can still make sure that football operations runs, runs normally with John Elway and still kind of having Matt Russell here, here kind of winding down his career. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. So uh, it's not going to be like the Texans where they're hiring him tomorrow or anything like that. And welcome, Greendale human yes. being. Say hello to your wife as well for us. <laughs> that is that is just awesome. Love hearing that. Next one from Denver Rhea. Love it, love it, love it. I think it's awesome how you guys in the U.S. fire people. Hey, maybe this could work as a blueprint to solve another situation you have in America. Don't want to get too political here, but maybe just tell the other guy, too, that his position actually gets elevated while giving up his title as president. Who knows? I mean, the other guy also loves golf. I just don't know how his grandchildren think about spending more time with him. Much love, Denveria. Uh-oh. Oh my, oh my, oh my. <laughs> Coming in from a commenter there, remember. <laughs> yeah. Although, Zach, did you ever see the movie Breach? No. Okay. It's about uh, someone who, who worked many, many years at the, uh, at the FBI, but eventually, but turned out was leaking, was leaking information to the Soviets and then to rush to the Russians. Robert Hansen was his name. And with Robert Hansen, what happened was they, as he as as he said in in real life, and apparently and and it was said in the movie, um, apparently said in real life that he was promoted into a do nothing job, and so they moved him up at the FBI, but like he said, a do nothing job, and moved him into an office that was bugged because <laughs> because they were invested because they were investigating him. And over the over the course of a few months, got all the information they needed, and uh, were able were able to get him. And he actually he's now a resident of Colorado. Is Robert Hansen because he's down at Supermax in Florence. Oh wow! <laughs> Not the the type of resident you want to be of Colorado. Oh, we've got some infamous people over there at Supermax. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> I kind of honestly, I'm like, can't they? Couldn't they have put that in another state? <laughs> yeah. Holy, uh, there's somewhere or some island in the middle of the Pacific and there's some, you know, some remote island. If there's somewhere else they could have done this. <laughs> I agree. Anyway. Next one coming in from Orange and Blue Ozzy. Had a great sleep and wonderful dream. I found and applied for a dream job. GM of the Denver Broncos. No experience required. Somehow I get the job and now it's draft day. RK, Zach, and Mace are all my advisors. The great scouts they are. We have the ninth pick, but the Panthers are so likely to take a quarterback. Trevor goes to the Jags. And surprisingly, the Jets go with Sewell. Miami is keen to trade down to add to their draft value. Fields and Wilson are available. What would you guys advise me is the best move at this point? Trade up to get your quarterback, wait a few more picks, maybe in the six to seven range before the Panthers or stay at nine. Love to hear your strategies. Well, you're making this move and you're in April. And I would say, all right, you're sitting in April. What did you do earlier in the off season? Did you go and bring in Sam Darnold or Marcus Mariota, if he's available or Jameis Winston? No, you didn't do any of that. You didn't do any of that. Okay. Well then you got to do, then basically you've telegraphed that you're doing something here. And that's something is you probably got to move up. And where, where are you moving to? You moving to three with the dolphin or are they four? Yeah. There are four. Dolphins are. Yeah. Are the dolphins at four or three? Are the Bengals? Did the Bengals uh, lose their third spot? 
Hang on, I'm going to get the order here really quick. We got Mace looking it yeah. up right now. This is great podcasting, by the way. <laughs> so, nope, nope, nope. It's uh, Miami at three, my bad. I, I thought Miami at was at three. Because okay. yeah, it's, it's Miami at three, and obviously the pick is from Houston, and then Atlanta at four, and then Cincinnati, Philadelphia, five, six, Detroit, seven, Carolina, eight, Denver, nine. Might be wise to put those picks into my memory so <laughs> I don't have to – to confirm the uh, 10% doubt that I had that Miami was pick picking number three. So if you've done that, like, like, I, like Zach suggests, if you've gone through March and you haven't added to the room, anything uh, beyond a career backup, then yeah, you're locked into trade trading up here for the possibility. And then the question is, who do you like better? Justin Fields or Zach Wilson? I boy, I really can't wait for the national championship game. Yeah, because I really want to see what Justin Fields does against Alabama. Yeah. And if he follows up his wizardry and toughness against Clemson with another great game, even if Ohio State loses, I think Justin Fields is going to be on the tip of a lot of people's tongues. And yeah. I think he would and I think he would be QB, too. Yep, and I, I think he'll lock himself into QB2 with a good game against Alabama, even if they lose. If he does something anywhere similar to what he did against Clemson, that would be uh, that would be huge for him. So that's what I'm doing. I'm moving up to the with the Dolphins, trading at least another first-round pick, if not more, to go and get Justin Fields. And then, boy, how exciting could this offense be? Wow, it could. I, the thing is with Fields, you know, you kind of have that moment where everything crystallizes. I had the moment in the Sugar Bowl where I started seeing Deshaun Watson when I saw Justin Fields. But I also know this with Deshaun Watson, what put it together for me was seeing him against Alabama, seeing him against a defense that was designed solely to stop him through everything at him. And he just winked and kept and kept right on firing and kept right on dicing up the Crimson Tide. And that's kind of when I knew, all right, this guy's going to be a really good pro quarterback. Uh, there, there's something in him. So that's a really good point. Yep. And yeah. Justin Fields will so, get that opportunity. This is, this is massive. I, I can't wait. We may, you know, if uh, Fields goes out and uh, balls out in the championship game, we may need a, we may need an emergency podcast right after the title. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hopefully Alabama can keep it though. Maybe we're talking Mac Jones. Who knows? Well, I, I do think Mac Jones goes in the first round. So yeah, we, we have to, we have to have this discussion because this looks like a, at least a five QB first round. Yep. I agree. And, so, and those QBs could be all fairly early, right? Could be, could be five in the top 15. Yeah. And so if you're sitting there at nine and you, and you have a new GM coming in and Vic Fangio, I would say gave a less than full bodied endorsement, of Drew Locke, uh, that that's sort of the the words he can be yeah. when he answered the question about whether uh, you know uh, Drew Locke uh, uh, can be the start, you know, is going to start in, in is going to start in twenty twenty one. Instead of saying yeah, like if you had Justin Herbert, you'd be saying, oh, Justin's the guy, right? He didn't say that with Drew Locke. I mean, and so that's that's just hanging in space over all this right now. Yep. What Vic said and new GM, uh, it's I think the the broad spectrum of possibilities is open here. 
And Mace, tell me what you think about this. Uh, yesterday, Vic Fangio was asked if he's okay with the GM that has a different uh, look at things. And he said, absolutely. I don't think that you're ever going to find, and it's never been anywhere I've been, even when, or no, 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 that's not the quote I'm looking for. Um, I'm looking for a quote specifically about um, about Drew Locke. Okay, here we go. He was asked on if it will be a challenging if the new general manager has a different opinion on Locke. He said, that's not a challenge. That's a new set of eyes, which is some, sometimes a good thing. A lot of times when you're the guy and the coach is who is working with somebody, you feel a commitment and determination to make it work. Sometimes a new set of eyes comes in and sees it different, or he may see it more so. He may say, this is the guy, let's move. I think a new set of eyes and a new perspective is only going to be beneficial for that position and to all of our positions. That to me... This says uh, he's very okay if a new guy, new general manager comes in and says we need a new quarterback. Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think Vic is completely sold on the status quo. Yes, I would. I would agree with you. And I think that may be a reason why Joe Ellis uh, is so okay with him continuing to be the coach and why Joe Ellis wants him in the room there is because he just doesn't want another uh, John Elway in there, honestly. And, and, and I think back to some of Vic's statements and yeah, we're doing, we're, we're doing reading between the lines here. I think that's just, that's what we do and yep. we have to. Um, but I think back to what Vic said, well, he can be, and then he kind of talked about how he's got to cut the turnovers and all that. And then I also think of Vic t- in the wake of the Chargers loss, talking about drew's interception that sounded like a man who was completely exasperated with his quarterback as as to like why are you doing why are you still doing this game after game because the previous game against buffalo he had, he had four picks dropped <laughs> yeah I, I think he's he's I, I don't think he's at a i don't think he's at a place where he's got a lot of faith in drew lock right now yeah uh, no, I think I think you're right. I think he's got to see more. I think he he's got to, he he's and unfortunately more doesn't happen until you get to week one. And oh by the way, that's Vic walking into a year where he's got to probably get the team at least above 500, or he's going to be given his walking papers. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that that's why Vic would want uh, someone who's ready right now, or yep. potentially a rookie, because then he could buy more time. Yep. Uh, That's very, very true. Dan Burke chimes in. Hey guys, is anyone else nervous about the change? The inability to fix the QB position is one thing, but Elway, Russell, and the rest of their staff really turned a page with drafting. I know they're interviewing Brian Stark for the GM job. I'm not sure how legitimate of a candidate he is, but I'd like to see someone from the old front office stick around some capacity, maybe not the GM, but in the Matt Russell role, perhaps, because someone was doing a good job identifying talent these past few years. With that in mind, do y'all have a preference on whether the GM should be a pro personnel guy or a college scouting guy? Uh, I, I don't have a preference on that, and it seems like they're going to get someone with, uh, with experience in both for the most part. Uh, and Mace, I'm not nervous uh, about the change, because it's not like the Broncos had, uh, you know, what, what was it, 2016 Saints draft when it was just, or 2017 Saints draft where it was just absurd. Um, but the one thing that you can't ignore there, Dan, and I do think it's a good point, but the one thing you can't ignore is the inability to fix a quarterback position. Um, if you aren't able to have a quarterback, you're never going to have sustained success. Exactly. And I be- somebody pointed out, uh, some reporter did, 
point out in the playoff quarterbacks that the vast the vast majority of them were top ten picks. Mm, yeah, um, that's just and and yeah, the the longer you get from the quarterback from the draft, the less that draft status matters. And certainly, you can say, well, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, uh, they're the outliers who weren't first round who weren't first round quarterbacks, but they're the outliers. They are, you know, they're, they're the that's the aberration. The reality is, if you're looking for that guy, especially in recent in the last you know in the last three to six years, you've got to be looking in the first twelve picks, and the Broncos sit right there. Yep, they do. That that that's a great point, Mace. Before we move any further, gotta tell you about our friends over at Green Mountain Dental because we've heard from several of you who have switched to Green Mountain Dental over the years and made them your permanent family dentistry. And all of you have told us how great of experience it was and thanked us for letting you know about them because they treat you like family, and that is so important when it comes to someone handling your teeth. In fact, our sales director Lindsay had a wisdom teeth removed at Green Mountain Dental last year. And she said it was a fantastic experience. And the doctor, the dentist even personally called her a few days later to check up on her. That is the personal care that they have at Green Mountain Dental. They're only 15 minute drive from downtown Denver, and they've supported DNVR DNVR for a long time. So make sure to support them. And the kicker, when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. That's all you have to do. Schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, and you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush when you head over to Green Mountain Dental. So check them out, Green Mountain Dental. Also check out our friends over at the Hassle Cattle Company. It, the Hassle Cattle Company means a hassle-free meat life. That's right. We brought you damn good beer, and now we're delivering to you damn good beef. Hassle Castle Company, Cattle Company, Hassle Cattle. Say that five times fast. Hassle Cattle Company. 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 There. You know it. It's the absolute best source for farm table Wagyu beef in the country. Hassle Cattle Company is a fourth generation cattle farm out of Texas. They ship all over this country and straight to your door. They call their beef the blue collar Wagyu. Why? Because the best damn Wagyu that every man or woman can afford. Hassle Cattle Company offers Wagyu smoked sausage, New York strip, beef bacon, Wagyu franks without any fillers, two jerky flavors, original and sweet and spicy. Their hamburger won Food Network's Northeast Burger Jam. Not only do we love the beef, their, their country loves their beef. These guys take their registered bulls and breed them with Angus cows, giving you that very high prime product grown with zero antibiotics and hormones. So head to Hassle Cattle Company, H-A-S-S-E-L-L, cattlecompany.com hasslecattlecompany.com use that magical promo code dnvr10 for 10% off your order that's dnvr10 for 10% off any orders over $200 and you get free shipping check them out you won't be disappointed so you know what got nfl players that think this is this is good meat uh they ship 15,000 pounds of of their meat to peru a lot of people are on board with Hassle Cattle Company. Give them a try as well. HassleCattleCompany.com. H-A-S-S-E-L-L CattleCompany.com. Use that magical code of DMVR10 for 10% off your order. And you get that order $200. Hey, if you've got a freezer, just get, get, get some of this and stick it in the freezer and pull it out whenever you want it. You'll get 
$200 and you get free shipping. So an order of $200, it maybe is a little more much for now, but not much for the long haul. You're going to get free shipping. And like I said, that magic code DNVR10 for 10% off. What are you waiting for? HassleCattleCompany.com. All right, Mace, let's talk to the people again. Orange and blue Ozzy checking in. Wow, a dream came true while I slept. Wow, so many dreams in this comment section, Mace. All respect to Elway, but it is the right time. Play some golf, play with the grandkids, provide perspective to the Broncos without having to live in the building. Thoughts? One, this just ramped up this offseason from potentially dull continuity to all things are possible. Though I do think continuity will still happen, just not as much. Two, my gut tells me this new GM will come in and assess the player talent and make moves there but the coaching staff is safe unless the season goes south fast until the end of the season when the gm can make that call three could elway and fangio be split on drew and he wants someone else to make the call we have 113 days left until the draft we will have much to discuss in this time it will be fun thanks john for looking out for the team first it certainly did take this off season from being the same old thing and literally the same thing with continuity being the word of the off season to holy cow everything has changed yeah, and you know what? We need some something interesting here. And, yeah. and I think for, for us, selfishly, uh, the, have the possibilities be a little bit broader than before because you know what? We might be talking about the draft process for longer this year than other years. There are scads of questions about the combine, when it's going to happen. According to a report, the NFL has released some of uh, a block of blocks of the hotel rooms that they had in Indianapolis reserved for teams and personnel. Uh, and with the news that the NCAA plans to play March Madness entirely in Indiana and specifically around Indianapolis, if the NFL moves the combine, it might have to go get pushed back into April. And oh, by the way, it might be something where a lot of it is virtual. And where the players are staggered, maybe you only get like receivers in on a day, on a three day period, and then you move on to running backs, and you know it, it, where it's staggered over a few weeks, and that could push the draft back in into later in the spring. So we need something like this because it's possible we could be talking about draft needs into into May. Wow! In yeah. Memorial Day, perhaps, and uh, you know what? That's great, and also. I'm going to get into this on a piece on the DMVR.com that's going up on Wednesday. We don't know what this offseason is going to look like as well. So remember last year with no OTAs, it felt like such a long slog yeah. for months of the offseason. Now that we're discussing a new GM, what might happen, maybe the draft being pushed back, it might. it's going to feel a little bit different and uh, it's going to be a little spicy and I, I'm, I'm all for that. And change needed to happen. Now that's number one. Number two, I agree with you completely orange and blue Aussie that I do think the coaching staff is safe through the off season, but if it does go South early, I do wonder if they're saying, all right, we got a Mike Munchak who's been a head coach here on the staff. Uh, let's go ahead and pull the cord here and see if we can't save this season. Right. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised on that either. Uh, and to your third point about could Elway and Fangio be split and they want someone else to make the call on Drew? No, I, I don't think that's the reason why they're bringing someone else in. However, I think 
John is one of Drew's biggest uh, supporters. And obviously we outlined how Vic may be skeptical. Uh, so this person will have the, the final say in what they do at quarterback. Exactly. John Elway said, I know he has issues in the past, but what about looking at Scott McLuhan for the newly opened GM spot? He built championship caliber rosters in Seattle and San Francisco. Then went on to help somewhat turn around Washington. Yeah, it, it would be the complete opposite of what they've been looking at. Um, you know, a guy with a ton of general manager experience, and we just haven't seen them go that direction. I think the Broncos are looking to 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 not go that route of of tons of general manager experience. Yeah, but what, one of the things I was thinking is maybe you bring him in, but maybe he's not the GM because of kind of the off-field issues that he's had. Maybe, maybe you bring him in, but he's your director of personnel. Maybe he's the right hand. Yeah. And you're saying, and, and you know, his, his strength is in scouting and player evaluation. Yeah. Maybe you say, Scott, this is what you're going to do is what you're going to focus on. Of course, he's got a Colorado background. He went to Loveland high school. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that, that's, that's something to keep your eye, especially if you're going with an inexperienced GM Mace, then you bring an experienced guy to be his right-hand man. Yep, exactly. So something, something to think about. And, uh, I, I do hope they give him a look, especially if he's gotten uh, gotten his life back in order, because there are few people in terms of talent evaluation who have better instincts than Scott McCoolin. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's fascinating. Next one coming in from Johnny G greetings, gents. I've appreciated the recent pods and write-ups around Elway stepping down as the Broncos GM and the possibilities as they currently look. My current hope is for champ Kelly. It would be nice to get some, some diversity in our front office. I think it was Ben Albright who had tweeted a couple days ago that champ Kelly has also been getting more into analytics. A couple questions that have come into my mind are in order to interview candidates from other teams, do we have to wait until said team is out of the playoffs? Hypothetically, if Kelly, Kelly gets the job, leans on analytics, and as Vic said, as the coaching staff will turn over every stone to improve, could hire, could Kelly hire or make Vic get an analytics coach management person? Stay safe and stay healthy, Johnny G. I hope so. I, I, I hope that's part, that's part of this, that uh, they take it off Vic's plate. I mean, uh, now that being said, game management it's not all analytics. It's also kind of looking at a, at a situation on the fly. Um, the timeout before a two-point conversion, that's not something you're consulting with a spreadsheet on. That's right. something where you've got to know you're, you, you've got to know to make the right decision in that case, not to call a timeout because you're, th- you're thinking, because in a vacuum, you're saying, yeah, I want to make sure my defense is set. But when the opponent is in chaos, that's where you kind of think, all right, take that in my back pocket. And so that's that's even though analytics comes into play and, and game management comes into play, we talk about like the Tennessee thing, for example, at the beginning of the game or the beginning of the season, pardon me, at the end of the season, that's kind of your instinct. You got to get that right. And it was just the wrong instinct to call the timeout when the Raiders were fumbling around to try to get set. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that that would be a fresh perspective, bringing in a guy that, that's okay with analytics. Yeah. I'd be fine with that. The other Ryan. My boys. Lost in the hubbub of all that transpired during the end of Sunday's game and Monday's news. Bombshell is the impact Draymond Jones had this past season. In 13 games, he had six and a half sacks, 41 tackles, seven tackles for losses and 11 QB hits. He definitely should be a starter and a key cog on defense in 2021 for the Broncos. He really could become a beast up front going forward. Does Jones's development 
soften the blow of losing one or both of Jarrell Casey and Shelby Harris this offseason. I really think a healthy base for, formation D-line of Jones, Mike Purcell, and Harris with Deshaun Williams, Matelvin Ajim, and a rookie or low-cost free agent as depth has the potential to be very solid. It's dominant. Your thoughts. Have a wonderful Wednesday. DNV Army salute. I think you make a very good point. And frankly, Draymond Jones is why you can say you can look at the scenario and say, all right, we're, we're going to lose Casey or Harris. We're okay with losing one. I think it makes more sense, of course, to re-sign Shelby Harris and let Jarrell Casey go because I think Harris would be cheaper than Casey's contract. And Casey, it's an easy cut for him. No, no dead money on your cap. Yeah, or if somehow you can get Casey back for for cheap, like I'm talking five million dollars or something, then that's uh, th- then that's just even a bonus right there. But yeah, I think Draymond Jones has done enough to be a starter next year, and I think you'll still add a rookie. I wouldn't even be surprised to see if it was in the top three picks for the Broncos this year uh, on the defensive line. But it, that that's something that you do have uh, a good outlook on. We know how they love their day two defensive line of course john elway's not making the 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 ultimate call anymore it's part of why this is so interesting because (laughs) you're you're trying to read tea leaves we don't have a pattern here so this is this is going to be a lot of fun trying to uh to figure out what they might do the other thing um i would also toss in there is look at re-signing demarcus walker too oh good sub package guy in pass rush yeah, he's a little bit of a one-trick pony, but that one trick is something everyone wants. Yeah, and and it, you'll probably get him for a good price. Um, and Macy's starting to play the best football of his career. Mm. If you can keep him around at a good price, it makes sense to do that instead of just let him walk after you invested all this time. I'd be all for that. And finally, I believe this is the last comment from Count Locula, who says, you three are the co-commissioners. Co-commissions, I wish, by the way. Come up with a plan for this Browns COVID situation. Love the count. Holy smokes. I mean, where are we at with this right now, Mace? I I heard the most recent update was that there were no positive tests today. If there's still no positive tests, then there will be the game played on time. Yeah, um, because they're concerned about spread. They figure that no positive tests may mean it's not spreading in their facility. And that would mean they play the game. I mean, it, but I, I, it's, it's. I mean, do the mess. Browns have do the Browns have a shot in this game? I mean, they're without their head coach, right? Yeah, it's going to be Mike Prefer, former Broncos special teams coach, <laughs> uh, is uh, going to be running the show for the Browns on Sunday. And Kevin Stefanski calls their plays, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, this is ri- and they're without. I think. Was it 17 players are, are on the COVID list? Uh, let's just take a look at their did roster. I, did I see that right? I mean, this is a nightmare. And it's a great question, the count. Uh, I'm curious what you would do because you're you're all over this stuff. But, uh, I mean, what, what do you do? You, you can't postpone the game a week. Do you try to postpone it to Monday night? I mean, how far can you postpone it in the playoffs? Yeah, they have eight players currently on the COVID list. Eight, okay. Including Joel Petonio and Denzel Ward. Yeah, Denzel Ward. Shout out to Bradley Chubb. Yeah, this is is a, to say the least, this is a problem. Andrew Sandejo is a starter. He's on the COVID. He's also on the COVID list, a starting safety for them. So what are you Uh, doing, Mace, if you're the commissioner? What's our plan? 
my plan earlier would have been to delay the Broncos game by a couple <laughs> of days. So I, I would at least have some precedence in saying, can we push this back 48 hours somehow? And that's, that's what I've been looking to do here. I mean, but they don't have precedence. Because, uh, that, because that game is on Sunday, right? Yeah. It's, so it's game. would you feel comfortable pushing it back to Tuesday and then having whoever the winner of that game is play the following Sunday? Is that well, yeah. fair? Yeah. Pittsburgh's going to complain about that because they're going to say, Hey, yeah. you know, we didn't do anything here, but every, you know, almost everybody has dealt with something um, regarding yeah. COVID uh, this year. So I, unfortunately think you have to play the game on time based on, on the, what they've established. I think they have to play it on time. Yeah. And I mean, they have established that that is for sure. And uh, if anyone wants to complain, they can just talk to Vic, Vic Fangio and the Denver Broncos because they really did have it as bad as anyone in terms yeah. of being affected by it in so many ways. Yeah. I think uh, if anyone complains, the Broncos powers that be, they start, I did the air violin, play yep. the violin strings. <laughs> A uh, tiny, yeah. tiny one. <laughs> yes. Boo freaking who. If you want to learn how to play the violin, maybe you can do that at, at MSU Denver Online. They have over 700 and excuse me, they have over 750 classes over at MSU Denver Online. And you can take so many different areas because right now, the way to prevent uh, against economic downturn is an education allowing you to adapt into varying degrees and careers. MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs. And some of our own staff members at DNVR have taken MSU Denver classes online and have said they bring the professional world into the classroom, teach you everything you need to know so you hit the ground running. So make sure to check them out. That's MSU Denver online. Well, Mace, that'll do it for us today. Thank you all so much for riding with us today as we try to find out who the Broncos' next general manager will be. And welcome in this new era of Denver Broncos football. It's going to be a blast. This offseason is going to have way more juice in it than we've had recently. And there, there's some hope, there's some optimism, there's different, different things going on. So thank you guys so much for riding with us. It's going to be a blast of an offseason. For Andrew Mason, I'm Zach Stevens. Have a wonderful Wednesday. We'll talk to you tomorrow.